Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of the 98 Not Out podcast. Today with me is uh, the head, the chief cricket writer, I should say, from the Daily Mail, Mr Paul Newman, an old friend of the show and a big supporter. Uh, always a very, very interesting conversation. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi Darren, how are you? Hello Paul, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, lovely to have you back, as always. Um, been a regular on the show since we started. Um so well, we I've, seen, thank I've you. seen you. I've seen you grow and grow. So it's, it's a pleasure to be asked back. You've, uh, it's you've this jumper, mate. Guests on these days, you know, I'm <laughs> just pleased that I can take my my place. You know. <laughs> well, we never forget our friends. We never forget our friends. So I just thought I'd like to just start the conversation by having a sort of end of term report on England, um, and probably we wind the clock back twelve months to a very painful winter. Um, but we end the English season uh, in good stead and with high hopes for the winter. So let's wind the clock back. And, and what do you think was wrong about the winter? And was it just a case of changing the coach and the captain that righted the ship? Well, it, it, it seems simplistic, Darren, doesn't it? But that does seem to have been the case in many ways. Look, look we know there's lots wrong with our game and, and, and we're not saying that everything has been solved in the course of a summer. But what has happened? has been absolutely fantastic. It's been one of the best developments in all the time I've been watching cricket, I think, in that Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum, after being appointed by Rob Key, have just taken hold of the England Test team and absolutely transformed it. Um, and they've transformed it in a way that, that I think can be the vehicle of bringing new fans into the game. And um, it's come at a time when Test cricket's under threat like never before, with the rise and rise of the franchise world. We're seeing more and more leagues pop up and you know, there's a genuine threat that the best players are going to just go off to these these leagues and uh, rarely be seen in international cricket. Uh, I, I really think that's a, a threat on the horizon. Uh, and what Stokes and McCullum have done is, is, is just reminded us that Test cricket is the best format of the game. It still has so much to offer. And they've absolutely transformed English English Test cricket. You just have to look at the, the statistics. I mean, I was in Grenada when they lost that test against the West Indies and they were at an absolute low ebb then. They'd lost... They'd only won one of the last 17. They seemed clueless. They seemed negative. A very good man in Joe Root uh, had been brought down to his knees, really. An, an equally good man in Chris Silverwood had been given far too much responsibility in being asked to deal with selection as well as coaching. Uh, there'd been all the business of COVID and the rest of rotation policy. And it was absolutely on its knees. But I think the catalyst for the change came when Joe rightly decided that he had to step down. That, uh, that enabled Ben Stokes to say, look, if you're stepping down, I want to be the man. Rob Key was an inspired appointment as managing director, came from left field, really, when he was doing so well in broadcasting. He came in, gave the job to Ben, and then again went left field. Really, I don't think many of us saw Brendan McCullum coming in as, as test coach, maybe white ball coach, never coached in first-class cricket before. But between them, they've just created this atmosphere. You know, we, we in the press, we, we termed it baseball, which they don't they don't really like. They don't think it gives ad adequate... Um, uh, credit to Ben Stokes and, and the players, really, but it but it's a term of endearment, and it's just a fantastic way to play Test cricket, which I think is changing the face of the game of the Red Bull game worldwide. And um, they won the six Tests out of seven after only winning one in the previous seventeen. Beat very good opposition in New Zealand, India, and South Africa, even though the South African batting was very weak. Uh, and we can really look forward to to a great future for this Test cricket on the back of the most transformative summer I can remember. Yeah, I must admit, I was I was very worried and, and and quite depressed after the winter's performances and just the general mood around the England cricket camp. And 
I was very worried, and I, I talked about this on the show, about Ben Stokes' appointment as captain, particularly on the back of um, his previous recent troubles with mental health and was putting the most pressurised job in cricket, maybe even it's up there in, in English sport, I think, along there with being the England football manager, of having focus and pressure on you. I wonder whether Ben would cope with it, but um, he seems to have taken it in his stride. I absolutely agreed with you. I think I wrote at the time that it would be madness to make Ben Stokes uh, England captain. Um, and I got that very wrong. And I'm very happy to have got that very wrong. I was worried, like you, that it would be too much for him so soon after he took a break for his mental health from the game. We know what an important player he is. We know that he does everything 100 miles an hour. And I just thought it, we were risking breaking our most prized asset, really, as we've seen it happen to great all-rounders like Ian Botham and Andrew Flintoff in the past when they've taken over um, as, as England captain. But Ben has been an inspired leader. He's just, he thinks outside the box. He's tactically aware. He's imaginative. He's innovative. Uh, and he seems to be relishing it. Even the side of the game, which I didn't think he'd like at all, which is all the dealings with the media. He, he seems to have really relished it. When he's, he's talked to us, he's been relaxed. He's talked well. Whenever I, I've done a press conference with him, there's always loads of material I want to I want to use in, in his quotes. There's no cliches or anything. And he seems to even like that side of the game. Um, and I think it's been absolutely the making of him rather than, as I feared, the, the breaking of him. I mean, when, when Joe stepped down, um, one of the reasons he carried on probably for a year longer than he should have done was that there, are, there were no viable alternatives, it seemed, other than Ben. And I said, look, you, you've got, there's, got a, there's, not, there's no reason for a captain to stay. We must be able to find someone who can, who can do the job. And if it's not Ben, then let's look at, uh, at someone else. But, but thankfully, uh, Ben wanted it. He made a point of ringing Rob Key and saying that he wanted the job. I don't think he would have done if Joe had been sacked because he was so loyal to his friend. Um, but Joe stepping down and, and actually realising that it was, the job was, was was actually doing him no no favours at all and was affecting him adversely, even though he was still scoring runs. I mean, he's one of the great men of, of English cricket, Joe Root. It's been fantastic to see him play such a big part in the revival this summer. But as soon as that's happened, it's been it, the only way has been up. And, and long may that continue. Of course, there's going to be big challenges ahead, notably in Pakistan in December, the Ashes next summer. But why can't this form of cricket be successful against the best teams and in and in different conditions? You know, they're, they're just, uh, they're, 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 as we said before, they're, they're reinventing the, the test playbook, really. Um, and there will be spectacular defeats like there was at Lords against South Africa. Um, but I think if we all go with it, there'll be far more good times than bad times. And the bottom line is it will always be entertaining, which is what you want to see to engage with the, with the, the young people that the game is obsessed with trying to recruit and, and understandably so. Well, I, I'd say it's Test cricket that's going to do it the way these guys are playing it. Yeah, it's almost a bit like this summer to me has been quite reminiscent of 2005 in the sense that you couldn't take your eyes off it. You couldn't watch it for a bit and then go away and, and come. Oh, if you did, something momentous had happened. Wickets had fallen or somebody had gone mad with the bat. Um, and I'm just wondering if whether consciously or even subconsciously, they've looked at what's appealing to this younger audience, let's say, whether it's T20 cricket, uh, was the entertaining side of it, and made an effort to kind of reproduce that in a test arena um, with the splendid results that we've seen this year. And, and you know, we've been playing in front of packed houses. Everyone's been enjoying it. I, I dare say the, the TV companies would have been pleased with what they've seen as well. Um this kind of points to quite a good future for English cricket, certainly with the Red Bull and Test cricket. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think one of the big reasons McCullum went for, went for this was for that very reason. He felt if anybody could 
rescue or save, as it were, Test cricket, it's England because there's still so much love and support for the Test game in this country. Um, so he wanted to do something similar to what he did with New Zealand in 2015 when they became such an entertaining side, always played with a smile on their faces. Um, and and, and it, But he can do it on a bigger scale with England, of course, because England are such a bigger Test-playing nation, have got such support. And I do think it's a big part of what they're trying to do. I mean, it sounds almost evangelical, but I do think they want to save the Test game. And, and that's fantastic. We've seen Ben Stokes, England's most important box office player, uh, turn his back firstly on the IPL, uh, then on the 100, and then on 50 over cricket, which is a shame, but but it, but it all points to him putting Test cricket first. Uh, and that can only be a, a good thing for, for the bulk of us who, who still love our Test cricket. And I think most English cricket fans do. And, you know, you see what's going on in other countries and you see the, the, the game declining and you see the new Future Tours programme when there's less Test cricket around the world. And it's a, it's a genuine worry. Um, but, but I think what they're doing can, can, only, can only inspire the next generation of players to want to play Test cricket, really. And, and the encouraging thing is that most of them seem to still want to do so. Whenever you see a new talent coming through, they do genuinely seem to want to play Test cricket. Um, you know, and you look at someone like Will Jacks, I think England might take him to Pakistan on the Test Tour in the sort of um, off-spin bowling all-rounder slot if Moeen Ali decides not to make himself available, which looks likely to be the case. And again, that's another bold, imaginative move if they do go down that route rather than going for a, a specialist spinner who who might not be uh, as, as sort of an attractive a cricketer as it were as as, as, a, as a highly promising young player like Will Jack. So it's all it's all pointing in the right direction, really. Um, and I'm not saying that that suddenly you know every every country around the world is suddenly going to forget their franchise leagues and all rush to play Test cricket. But um, it's Test cricket fighting back really against the tide, uh, I think. Um, and um, uh, a long may it continue. It's always. Uh... Ben Stokes and Joe Root that seem to grab the headlines. But um, for you, who's caught your eye uh, in the England Test uh, sides this summer? Well, uh, well, there's a few, aren't there, really? Uh, Ollie Robinson bowled exceptionally when he came back into the side. Before him, Matt Potts had a very good introduction to Test cricket. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be seeing plenty of those two. And and really, they've given us hope uh, of a future beyond Broad and, and Anderson. But what you would say is that the, the Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson have really... Uh, enveloped what, what's gone on. They've really embraced it. Um, and it's great to see, you know, they were left out of the Caribbean. It really did feel like the end, an end of an era. It didn't feel like there was any way back at that point. But what a what a bad decision it was It was made to, to be as soon as they came back. And it was almost like it was felt that they were too stuck in their ways or they were too difficult for the captain to manage. But it's been proved to be poppycock, really, because they've bought into it like never, like never before. They're bowling the way that Ben wants them to always on the, on the attack, always looking to take wickets. Stuart's become the night hawk, you know, rather than the night watchman. Um, and he goes around with a night hawk t-shirt. And I think it's on his Instagram account as well, call me the <laughs> night hawk, you know. Uh, and he's just loving it. And, um, and and so who's to say those two won't carry on for some time yet? Certainly they look as if they're playing next year's Ashes uh, and possibly, you know, go on beyond that. Who, who knows why they're bowling so well? Fantastic. And you've got bowlers coming through like Robinson and Potts. If we can get Joffre Archer fit and play Test Creek again, if Mark Wood can stay fit, you know, suddenly that's looking like a really potent attack. Um, Ollie Pope did, did better than I thought of three. I was worried it was a bit too high for him, but he's, he's done very well there. And of course, the, the, the lad who has made a, a big introduction, although he hasn't done in Test Cricket yet, is uh, Harry Brook. He looks like a sensational talent. He had to wait a long time for his chance with England, you know, decided they're going to be very loyal to their players in, in this in this setup. And, Fair play to them for that. So Harry Brook 
had to wait until Johnny Bairstow had that freak accident, which was awful because he's another one. What a what a summer Johnny was having. I think he was the player named the player of the summer. So fantastic to see him playing so well. He had that freak injury on the golf course. Um, Harry Brook played in the last test, didn't score many there, but made a sensational 80 or 30 balls in one of the T20 games in Pakistan. And I really think we're looking at England's next great all-format batsman. He, he looks a, a sensational talent. So there's quite a few there, really, Darren, you could, you could name. Um, you know, from Jack Leach getting 10 wickets in the Headingley test. Um, yeah. Still, you think, is he, is he a world-class spinner? We're still not sure. You know, Pakistan, he might have a big role to play. But he's played his part as well. And he's, he's, when, he, when he bats, he's trying to play switch hits and all sorts because Brendan McCullum's encouraging him to. So yeah. it's just positivity all the way, really. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and, and a good point about Broaden Anderson, um, because I think um, Broadie was the highest wicket taker in the uh, test matches across the summer as well. I think it was 29 wickets. I think I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm, I think that was the, t- the stat that I picked up today. I think um, that's so- right. And, and, and I think that's right. And, and, you know, there was a good chance, I think, of him of him re- retiring this summer. I really do. Him perhaps more so than Jimmy, but that's been completely put to the back, uh, back burner now. And leading wicket taker, as you say, he might not go to Pakistan because um, will the pitches suit both him and Jimmy, but also because he's expecting his first child, I think, around the same time as the test matches in Pakistan in December. So he might not go there, but he'll certainly be back next summer and um, you'd expect him to have a big impact in the Ashes. Yeah, yeah. And the Ashes always uh, puts a spring in everyone's step, doesn't it? Um, oh, yeah. So given what England has achieved uh, with relative simplicity, um, what is the need or why is there a need for this high-performance review that Andrew Strauss <laughs> is conducting? Excuse me, I've got a bit of a cold here. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a good question, isn't it? Because it was, it was uh, brought in after the Ashes debacle. And we've seen this before. I remember going back to the Schofield report after the Ashes debacle of 2006. We've seen various plans and reviews and root, they're normally root and branch, aren't they? And, and here, we, here we go again to change everything. Uh, and, and perhaps you say, well, yeah, what, what if, if England can play like this with basically the same personnel, why mm. do we have to go down this route? But what I would say is I think most, uh, if not all cricket supporters, would accept that the schedule is, is a mess. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it, you can't have the schedule as it is at the moment and still hope to keep on producing good players. We, you know, we, can, we, can, we, we can't get complacent on the back of uh, what, what Stokes and McCullum and the players are doing in test cricket. We, you do, I, th- I think it is, it is justifiable to look at it and say, OK, how can we sort our, our schedule out? Um, and obviously, um, the, the proposals that Andrew have come up with have not gone down well with a lot of the counties because it means um, less red ball cricket and too fewer blast matches. And I can I can understand that. Um, and I don't like this idea of um, friendly matches in, in, in August as well, just simply to try and fill the gap left by the reduction in championship matches. That doesn't sit well with me either. But um, I, I do feel that just because we've had a great summer doesn't necessarily mean that the, the Strauss review is redundant. Uh, but I do think a lot of talking and... Um, um, and compromise is going to have to go on now to try and make make sense of it. But I do think there's a lot of common sense in it. Actually, I don't I do I don't think we should dismiss it. But I also can understand completely where a lot of the counties are coming from in, in not being happy with it. Well, we've got a new CEO um, in in Richard Thompson, um, which yeah. I think has pleased a lot of cricket followers uh, in the country. And yeah. I think he said very similar, sensible because it's easy to get inflammatory about this, and it doesn't help anyone. But I think one of the things that he said that's encouraging and actually realistic is the need to basically compromise and for people to kind of 
have a bit yeah. of a clear thought process on this. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's one, one, one thing you need to say there is um, Richard Thompson's a really good man. I'm so pleased he's become the chair. He's an exceptional uh, administrator. I've had a lot to do, with, to do with him over the years. And I think he's absolutely the right man to lead them, uh, to become chair of the ECB. Um, but of course, he's going to have a bit of a tightrope or a walking act now as well. He, he, he's, he's the first to admit that in the past, he represented the views of Surrey and, and, and their members. Now he's got 41 stakeholders he has to look after, if you include the, the minor counties or the national counties, as they're now called. But he is the right man. He is a champion of the counties. Um, but I, but he's not going to just come in and, and get rid of the 100, much as I'd like him to, personally. And I think a lot <laughs> of people would. It's not as simple as that. But I, I, I feel I, I listened very carefully to an interview you gave with Dan Rowan on the BBC the other day. I, I did an interview with Richard myself when uh, when he first took over, in which he, he talked very strongly about wanting to preserve Red Bull cricket in particular. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting interview with Dan Rowan, who's a very good uh, broadcaster and a good journalist, asked, asked good questions. And Richard did accept this need for compromise. So I think what, what we'll find is a lot of talks going on in the next month or so before uh, the, the Strauss report can be uh, adopted. Um, uh, and, and I think you'll find those two blast matches maybe coming back. Um, what, what they're going to do with, with uh, the championship, I don't know. But it is a step in the right direction. that They're playing it across most of the summer. It can't be right that it's played in April and September. The bulk of the matches are on the margins. We, we all know that can't be right. So, so what Strauss is proposing is a step in the right direction. It's, it's whether we can find a way to have more than 10 games, basically, I think, is, is, the, is the big question for, for Richard Thompson, for all the counties. Uh, and of course, there is an easy solution and we've touched on it there. And I know it's the big thing that polarises so much debate. But if you've got rid of the 100, you, you basically solve everything. Uh, and personally, I just wish we could switch the clock back, give all that marketing resources, all those regular TV slots to an enhanced blast. And we wouldn't be in this situation that we are in now. And we could have the championship played in the summer months with still remaining at 14 matches. We could have an enhanced blast. And we should. We, there, there was never any need for a full format. Uh, and, and sorry, Mr. Topley, if you're listening, you know, I just uh, I, I think more and more people are, uh, are coming around to this way of thinking. And, and whether Richard Thompson believes it deep down, I, I don't know. I wouldn't like to speak for him, but I, I think he's now coming into, into this thinking, OK, this is not going anywhere because it's, 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 it's built into the broadcast deal. Uh, he started saying he does feel that it's, it's creating a new audience for cricket. And I genuinely hope that's the case. I've said earlier that I feel the way England are playing test cricket can bring new fans to the game. If the hundred is bringing new fans to the game, well, great. But I'm still to be, uh, I'm still to be to believe that. Really, uh, it's not going anywhere. It seems, but if only it would. I think we'd, uh, we, uh, then we could adopt the uh, Strauss review, and and, we, and everything would be fine, basically. Yeah, my personal view that I've aired on the show about this is that I think the hundred has become a women-only tournament. Yes, um, and that way you, everyone could could move forward without losing too much face on that. And I think. Um, Yes. You know, given given what it's done for the women's game, I think that wouldn't be a a too ridiculous solution. Do you think um, eighteen counties can survive? Well, I think it's always been the bedrock of the English domestic game, isn't it? Um, and uh, maybe if you were starting off now, you'd say it was too many. If you, if you were inventing the game now, maybe you wouldn't invent cricket in the modern in the modern <laughs> world because it's a game that. Uh, that needs a bit of patience. There isn't much patience in the modern world. But if you were starting over now, would you have 18 counties? Would you have so many in the East Midlands, for instance, Nottinghamshire, Leicestershire, Derbyshire, Northamptonshire, all in a, in a, in a, a small area, really. But, but we have 18 counties. It's the bedrock of our game. Uh, and there are 18 first-class academies and there are 18 centres of excellence, really. 
Uh, what, I, what I do think might happen is that the stronger will get stronger, you know, with, with, with this first division. We've seen it over the last few years, haven't we, really, Darren, with, you know, Nottinghamshire taking Leicestershire's best players, for instance, and things like that. I think you will find that the, the, the stronger counties getting getting stronger and stronger uh, and, and the smaller counties will always be in the second division or the conferences or whatever they are. But I hope that doesn't mean that they ever turn their backs on Red Bull cricket in particular. You know, would a Leicestershire or a North Hans ever just go down the white ball route? Well, I sincerely hope that's not the case. I think there should be um, there, there should be room for all of them and, and, and there should be room for all of them to play an active part in creating a, a strong England team and also serving the needs of its members and cricket supporters, because that's that's what was part of this as well, isn't it? You know, it, it's it's it's, a, it's the whole picture. Um, so I, I think the doomsday scenario is that some people do fear that all these changes are with a view to eventually cutting back on the first-class counties. I, I'm not actually sure about that. I don't think anybody uh, at the top really wants that, but perhaps they want some of the smaller ones to 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 accept their smaller part in, in life, really. Now, as, as we're, we're both Essex men. As an Essex man myself, I would hate for Essex as a non-test playing venue to be one of the smaller counties. You know, uh, Essex are a, a Division One county, uh, always have been rich history uh, of, of trophies uh, and, and producing England players. Uh, and long may that continue. You know, and England you captains. Think, and England captains. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, the England's record run score in Alistair Cook, who's still going and still scoring runs for Essex and, and, and all the rest of it. And so with all that history, you, you would hope that, that Essex would never sort of become one of the second tier counties, um, but they're going to have to fight for that. Uh, um, and um, uh, but but I, I but in answer to your original question, I, I don't think we're ever going to see or or in, in the immediate future or in the medium future any reduction in the amount of counties. But I do feel that some of them um, will have to uh, ad adapt to a life of, uh, of of playing second fiddle, perhaps. Amazing insights, Paul. Um, I could talk all night and I could draw allusions to the, the world of football in terms of the haves and have-nots, but uh, I yeah. think we'd be here for another three hours if we started going down that route. But um, uh, always great to catch up with you. And um, I gather you are getting on a jet plane pretty soon. Yes, uh, touch wood, all being well. I'm off to Australia a week on Friday for the World uh, 2020 Cup, um, which I'm looking forward to. England have been up and down in Pakistan, haven't they? They had a we haven't touched really on that. They had a poor, poor white ball summer after Owen Morgan's retirement. So they've, uh, they've, they've got a big World Cup coming up. Um, Pakistan has been, a, has been a, a great series for them, um, an up and down series. So um, very much hoping that they, they've got a chance of, of uniting the World Cup titles and winning the 20 over crown. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, maybe we can talk um, while I'm there as well. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love that. Well, uh, well let's look forward to that. And um yeah, I think England will be all right. It's a bit like the football. There's always a bit of a dodgy patch in warm-ups ahead of World Cups and everyone thinks, oh my God, that's it. And then a few wins on the trot and we're all going to erase the pain of since 1966 and all the rest of it. But I think um, once the tournament gets going in uh, in Australia, we'll be fine and we'll be we'll be there or thereabouts, I, I would imagine, um, come the... Definitely last four and with a following win, you know, they've got every chance of winning it. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Paul, brilliant talking. Many thanks for giving us your time. And um, I'll hold you to that and I'll, uh, we'll maybe catch up uh, somewhere through the World Cup. Brilliant. I look forward to that. Always a pleasure, Darren. Thank you. Thanks for listening to 98 Not Out, the cricket podcast. Please subscribe to the show in your podcast app to make sure you see the new episode each week as it appears in your feed. And if you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts to help us 
introduce the show to even more people. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you on the next episode.